0: listening to the Michael Anthony Bible Teaching Podcast. You can enjoy more messages like this and more with the free Courage Matters app available in your app store. To invite Michael to speak to your group, visit couragematters.com and click on the Your Story tab. Hold on to your seat and open your heart as Mike teaches us from God's Word. Mark 1:14. Now, after John was arrested, that's John the Baptist, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, this is an amazing passage of scripture. We could spend weeks just on these two verses alone because there's so much rich truth in there that is applicable for your life and for mine. It's applicable for your family. It's applicable for every single church. Notice how Jesus begins here in verse 15. The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The last time we heard from God was 400 years earlier through the only Italian prophet anywhere in the Bible, Malachi. The book of Malachi, the book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament. And Malachi's ministry was 400 years earlier. So we have Jesus coming onto the scene after 400 years of silence from God, where God had not sent the prophet, there had not been a new prophetic word for 400 years. Jesus comes onto the scene and says, the time is fulfilled. In other words, now God's prophetic plan, his end times time clock ticks forward. His plan of redemption moves forward and Jesus gets right the chase. Jesus gets busy immediately. But before we get into Jesus' specific words, let's look at verse 14. Look what it says. Now, after John was arrested, that's John the Baptist, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. See, we have to understand that Jesus' message was not a contrived, humanly speaking message. It was literally the gospel of God. It is a word from God. And Jesus immerses himself immediately. I love the way Mark's gospel presents Jesus beginning into ministry. He just gets off the heels. He's on on the heels of his 40 days of temptation by the devil in the wilderness. And then he gets right down to the meat and potatoes of his ministry. Don't you love that God does that? God would fit right in here at York, Pennsylvania, because we are meat and potatoes kind of people. We want people to tell us like it is, be straight shooters, don't beat around the bush, get right to the heart of the matter. And that's exactly what Mark does with his gospel. That's exactly what Jesus does with his words. This is not the gospel or the good news. That's what gospel means of man. In fact, if it was man's news, if it was the news of just humanity, there wouldn't be much good about it at all, even if it seemed great. This is great news, and we'll get to the understanding of what the great news is in just a moment. But you have to understand, and I have to understand, in your individual life, and in your family, and here in the church, the body of Christ, this is the gospel of God. This is God's word, not the word of mere mortals. And therefore, since it's God's word, it merits our utmost attention that we listen, not just where there are ears, but especially with our hearts and with our minds so that our lifestyles are changed. Look with me in verse 15. Jesus saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is right here at your fingertips. At hand among you, you're looking at the king of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe In the gospel repent and believe in the gospel now I'd like to look at two words in verse 15 in particular that we need to take a closer look at because the problem is the more familiar you think you are with the scriptures the greater the danger is that we see words that we think we understand but we don't understand them to the depth the height the breadth in which we should understand these words And there are two million-dollar words, very simple words, that have huge ramifications for your life as a follower of Christ, for your family as a Christ-following family, and for every church as a group of Christ-following individuals, Christ-following families. There are two words in verse 15 that you think you know, that you think you understand, that you need to revisit, that I need to revisit, that we need to revisit, that we need to let go deep down into the core of who we are. So that we can apply the meaning of these words. Because it has everything to do with lifestyle. You see, you were born for this. You were born for this. You say, born for what? For this. Verse 15, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. You were born for that. You were born to repent and to believe in the gospel. Now, the original language here that's presented that we get the English from would give us this understanding of of an ongoing action. What would be presented here is that we are to repent and keep repenting and to believe and to keep believing. That's the idea of what Jesus is saying. So 400 years of silence instantaneously smashed with Jesus coming onto the scene The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Let's get busy. Come and follow me. Come and walk with me. Now you're going to hear from God in a way that nobody has ever heard from God. God became flesh. Jesus Christ now walking in the midst of mere mortals. That time has been fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand in a way it was never at hand prior to that moment. And Jesus says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand among you. The king of the kingdom is here. Repent, keep repenting, believe, and keep believing in the gospel. Repent and keep repenting, believe, and keep believing. See, you might think, if you've known Jesus Christ for any length of time, that repentance is a once and for all thing. That believing is a once and for all thing. No, There's an initial time, a first time, when you repent and you turn from and to. You turn from yourself, from the world, and you turn to God. You believe in Jesus Christ for that very first time. But you see, what's presented in the Bible is that a repentant believer is somebody who repents perpetually. To believe is to believe continually and to continue to believe. Look with me at this word that's used here in verse 15. The word that is translated as repent, it means to change your mind. It means to turn with your whole heart. It means to have genuine remorse that actually gets into your lifestyle, that changes your behavior. It's the same word that's used in Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus talks to the people of Chorazin and Bethsaida and says, woe to you, to this group of people among whom Jesus did most of his miracles. And he says to them, if the deeds that were done in your presence were done in the other cities in the Old Testament, they would have repented, that's the word that's used here, in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes, a physical representation of what's happening in the mind, what's happening in the heart. But you see, to repent, see, we have an understanding of repentance that's really limiting many of us. And our understanding of repentance is often that, well, if I don't shed tears, I'm really not sorry. You know, tears can be a wonderful thing. They can be demonstrative, of a change of heart, a change in mind. But you know what's really demonstrative of a change of heart, a change of mind? A change in behavior. That's what repentance is. So you can cry all you want. I can cry all I want. A person can weep. And mourn all they want, but unless there is a change in behavior, there has not been a change of heart. Unless there's been a change of heart, there will not be a change in behavior. That's what it means to repent, to change your heart, change your mind, to be remorseful in such a way that your lifestyle changes. You know, years ago I was in Africa and I was in a car with a a dead body in the back seat. Wrapped up, that person had become ill. And there were several of us in this car and we were on our way to take that body back to the original town where that person had been born and grew up in. And we had to travel over this seemingly eternal, like a 30 or 40 foot long bridge over this massive canyon, frightening, a couple of hundred feet deep. Now, the thing about this bridge is that it wasn't like a bridge that you go around here, these covered bridges in this part of Pennsylvania that are beautiful, the old barn type of bridges, you know, the Amish type of bridges that you cover. This was not that type of a bridge. This was one log and another log with the truck that we were driving with two wheels on one log and two wheels on the other with nothing in between. I kid you not. And I thought, boy, we're going to be taking this dead body and maybe some more dead bodies (laughs) over this bridge. And I held my breath and prayed as I looked out the window and said, what have I gotten myself into as this truck very cautiously over one log and the other log somehow miraculously made its way over this quote unquote bridge into this village on the way to the final destination where we were taking this dead body. And when the people in that village heard that we had a dead body, everybody came out like ants out of the woodwork. Everybody came And surrounded our truck as we, we screeched to a grinding halt, just creeping along two miles an hour, if that, so that we don't run over anybody, and dozens and dozens of people, the news of the day is that a dead person had come out, and the wailing, and the tears, and the crying, deafening, as you would think we were in a crowd of 100 people. These people demonstrating their remorse, their tears. And then as we got to the end of this very small village, it was as if somebody flicked a switch. The tears instantaneously stopped. The wailing instantaneously stopped. The people turned and all went back their way to their villages. Now, if you've been in a third world country, if you've been to Africa, you know that that's one of the ways that the people will show, quote unquote, remorse. It seems to be an outward expression Now I'm not saying that they weren't inwardly torn, but they were able to, on a dime, change their wailing, get themselves together in a a composed state. Why am I bringing that up? Because you might have tears and you might not be repentant. You see, the biblical understanding of repentance is to have such remorse, the certain type of remorse that you stop watching things on the internet you otherwise would be watching, that you stop saying things to people that you otherwise keep saying, that you stop thinking in ways that a person who's not a follower of Jesus Christ would think. You see, the idea is that you repent because you were born to repent. In fact, you were born again to repent. The idea that's presented here is that it's not repentance until there is a change in mind, a change in heart, a remorse that is the kind of remorse that leads to a change in behavior. How do you know whether somebody has really repented? By their lifestyle. By their lifestyle. Now, there's a sense in which you and I never fully have our lifestyles changed. Thank you. You understand what's being presented here in the scriptures. Repent and keep repenting. You were born to do this. You were born again to do this. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, when you follow Jesus Christ, the idea is that you stop following the ways of the world. You stop following the ways of me, myself, and I. You're no longer on the throne. The King of kings and Lord of lords is now on the throne. And you repent and you keep repenting. And this is what Jesus is saying to you. This is what Jesus is saying to me. This is what he's saying to your family and to my family. It couldn't be any simpler. This is what he's saying to the body of Christ. Anybody and everybody who is a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus' message is, follow me in such a way that you repent and you keep repenting. You are a repentant repenter. That's a good thing that should be happening in your life as a follower of Jesus Christ, in my life, and in your family, and in my family. How do you know whether somebody has really given their life to Jesus Christ? By whether or not the thing that they were born again to do, repent, happens every single day. Haven't you noticed that every day you need to have your thoughts transformed? Haven't you noticed that every single day Your heart goes astray and you need to rein that heart in and bring it back to fully pursuing God, the living and true God. Haven't you noticed that left alone with the busyness and the craziness of life, you and I start to forget that sin is something that we are really battling in this life. We are not to be conformed to the pattern of this world. We are to be transformed by the renewing of something, the renewing of our mind. And so if you are really a follower of Jesus Christ, your life is to be characterized by repentance. You're supposed to stop doing the things you otherwise would do, start doing the things you otherwise would not do. You start pursuing Jesus. You start pursuing the King of kings, the Lord of lords, because the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is in our midst. Repent and keep repenting. That's what's presented here. Repent and keep repenting. Now, the other word that's used here is the word that's translated as believe. Jesus says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent, keep repenting, believe, and keep believing. The word that's translated here as believe obviously means to believe in, but could also be translated as to be convinced of, to be fully persuaded of something to be fully persuaded, to put your trust in something, to have a firm and resolved faith in something. That's what it means. It means to let yourself be influenced by this thing, whatever it is, in this case, it's a person and a thing, what this person did, Jesus, to be so convinced, to be so persuaded that everything in your life revolves around whatever it is in which you have placed your belief. That's what it means. It means to trust and be persuaded, to let yourself be influenced by. So what Jesus is saying here for you as a follower of Jesus Christ is that your life and mine, your Christ-following family and mine, your Christ-following church, and this particular one, if you're listening by podcast or radio, this applies to you as well, Our lives are to be characterized by a type of repentance and a type of belief that is fully persuaded, changes the mind, affects the heart, gets into our lifestyle. We are to have both feet firmly planted. Now, what does Jesus say? We are to repent and keep repenting, to believe and keep believing in something, in the gospel, we are to repent and keep repenting, to believe and keep believing in the gospel. Now, what is the gospel? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, an excellent passage of scripture to commit to memory, an excellent passage of scripture to remember if you want a succinct summary of what the gospel is, what is the great news, what is this news that Jesus is saying we are to firmly plant our feet in, to have settled in, we in the midst of all the sinking sands, the shifting sand that's happening financially in the world, the moral collapse and imploding that's happening in the world, the relational difficulties that we have, we seem to be in a spiritual free fall in this nation. The good news is that this is the gospel of God, not of man, and it doesn't change. It won't change. never has changed. It's permanent. It is the good news, the great news of God, and it's found, a summary statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Look with me. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel, the good news that I preached to you, which you received. In which you stand and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word that I preach to you unless you believe in vain. This is the idea of biblical faith is saving faith. Biblical faith is saving faith is sustaining faith. It is enduring faith. Faith that endures is saving faith. To believe in Jesus is to have such a belief that you keep believing. You initially believed, but you keep believing because you initially repented and you continue to repent. And that's why Paul says, unless you believed in vain. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born. Do you get the impression here that Paul's being allegorical? Absolutely not. He's being historical. As to one abnormally born, he appeared to me also, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. That is the gospel in a nutshell. The gospel is that you and I, we have a problem, and it's called S-I-N, doing things that we should not have done, not doing things that we should do, sin. We sin in our minds, we sin in our hearts, we sin with our words, we sin with our hands, we sin with our feet, we sin with our eyes, we sin even with our ears by listening to things we shouldn't listen to. We have a sin problem. God knew that we would have a sin problem. God understands your problem and mine. And God loves you so much, you are worth such a tremendously great deal to God that he would send his one and only, uniquely brought forth, one-of-a-kind son, Jesus, that while you were a sinner, while I was a sinner, while every single person on this planet was a sinner, Christ died For you and for me. Now, if you're like me, you struggle sometimes with confusing the idea of being unworthy with being worthless. There are times when you struggle and I struggle with confusing, we think that being unworthy is the same thing as being worthless. No, it's not the same thing. To be worthless is to have no value whatsoever. God the Father would not have given what was priceless for garbage. He gave his uniquely brought forth one-of-a-kind Son for you. For you. You are worth a great deal to God. How much consider the priceless payment that was given on your behalf. You are worth a great deal to Almighty God. You have tremendous worth. Now, that's different than not being worthy. You're not worthy of that price that was paid, that gift that was given to you. I'm not worthy of that price that was paid for me, that gift that was given to me. But I am worth a great deal to God somehow. Doesn't that motivate you? You are worth a great deal to God. Don't confuse your worth with being unworthy. You are worth an incredibly high price to Almighty God. That's why sin, once we understand the good news of the gospel that Jesus Christ died on the cross, once we understand that, we begin to understand that sin is temporary insanity. We've got to be out of our minds to do things we shouldn't do or to not do things we know we should do. Sin is temporary insanity. You're out of your mind saying the things that you say, doing the things that you do, neglecting to do the things that you know need to be done. But the good news, the great news, the gospel is that while you were still a sinner, while I was still a sinner, Christ died for you. He died for me. And once you repent initially, and you believe initially, that sets you on a course because you were born to keep repenting, born again to keep repenting, born again to keep believing, to endure to the very end. And this is what Jesus is saying to everybody with an earshot of his words, and he's saying it to you, and he's saying it to me as well. The time is fulfilled. The time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. repent keep repenting and believe and keep believing in the gospel, in the good news, that apart from the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you and I would be dead in our sins in an eternity separate from Almighty God. That's why it's called good news. Through what Jesus did on the cross, God made him who knew no sin become your sin and mine so that you and I could become the righteousness of God. That is great news. That's great news. And the life of a disciple is to be characterized by something fundamentally different, no longer living for yourself, not living the same way that the world lives, to have a marked difference. I don't care if you're five years old and you understand the gospel and you've given your life to Christ, you begin to repent as a matter of lifestyle. You begin to put your lifestyle where your mouth is. If we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved, as Romans chapter 10 says. That's how a person is saved. But how do you know if a person is really saved? Because they continue to repent. They continue to believe. They continue to follow the one who people would not follow unless there was genuine repentance and genuine saving faith. The idea that is presented by Jesus, the idea that's presented in all of the Bible, is that saving faith is a faith that repents initially and continues to repent. Somebody who believes initially, that initial point of belief, and then continues to believe. Now, you might say to yourself, I have a hard time believing. I struggle with my faith. I wish I had more faith. I wish I could keep believing. I wish I could repent and keep repenting. I wish I could believe and keep believing. You know, you need to write this down. I'm going to pitch something to you, and you need to write this down. In fact, we've made it so easy to write down there are pencils in front of each seat in front of you that you can even, we'll even let you take them home and go go play a game of miniature golf with those pencils. You need to write down Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Word of God hearing. When you hear the word of God, your faith is built. You see, if you want to get physical muscle, you go into a gym and you sweat, and you work out and you work hard, especially we know in the springtime we do that because the summer months are coming, we've got to get our beach body ready, and I know that because my beach body is never ready We work out hard to get our bodies ready and we lift weights and we do things that other people say, boy, you look like Sylvester Stallone. You look like Rocky Balboa. We do things for our physical bodies to get our physical bodies in shape, but to get your spiritual self in shape, to build your faith, lift your Bible. To build your faith, lift your Bible. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Listen, difficult times are upon us as a nation. Difficult times are upon us as families, as individuals. Morally, spiritually, financially, politically. Every place we turn, there seems to be bad news, difficult news. Peer pressure, people trying to conform us into their image, into their likeness. Where at the end of the day, we end up looking more like people who are not repentant repenters who are believing believers. We look more like deceived deceivers than believing believers and repentant repenters. See, the best way to have certainty, to have your mind changed, to have your heart changed, to have true remorse that leads to a change in behavior... The best way to believe and to keep believing to have your feet firmly planted so that you don't get thrown off by the shifting sands of everything that's happening around you and everything that's happening around me. All this turbulence that's happening which you haven't seen anything yet. We haven't seen anything yet. This is the beginning of a new normal for the United States of America. Jesus may be coming back soon. He might not be coming back soon. What's happening in this nation might be happening to this nation. As part and parcel of what's happening globally. Listen, Jesus might not come back for several hundred years. I hate to think about it. But we need to think about it because we need to be careful that we don't use the return of Jesus Christ or the idea of the rapture as an unintended escape clause for moral and spiritual responsibility here and now to be salt and light in this time of darkness. We're living in a dark day and age and you are God's flashlight You are God's flashlight. I'm God's flashlight. Your family is God's flashlight. The church is God's flashlight. You're the seasoning agent on that bland, otherwise bland steak, salt, seasoning. We are the ones who are not to throw up our hands and say, well, Jesus is returning anyway, so who cares? No. A repentant believer is perpetually repenting, continually believing, repent and keep repenting, believe and keep believing to build your faith, lift your Bible. See, we've got to stop seeing the Bible as just a book, just a collection of 66 books. If that's what it is, it's no big deal at all. If the Bible is just a collection of books with a bunch of ideas written by mere mortals, then it's not the gospel of God that Jesus says it is. It's the gospel of Almighty God. So you've got to do what I've got to do. You've got to do this in your individual life. You've got to do this in your family. Stop seeing the Bible as just a book. The Bible is a doorway to the very presence of Almighty God. The Bible is a portal, the Bible is a portal to the very throne room of God that through this book, the Bible, through this collection of 66 books, we have the ability to hear the heart of God, to understand the mind of God. To hear the voice of God. And when you hear the voice of God, when we hear the mind of God, when we understand the heart of God, through the word of God, guess what happens to our faith? It is built up. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God to build your faith, lift your Bible. Read this book. Meditate on it. Chew on it. You want to have your feet stand In this day of uncertainty, get this book into you. Read this book and prioritize this book so that the word of God gets in you, the word of God comes out of you, and you begin to repent and keep repenting and believe and keep believing in this gospel of God. You know, last night I was chomping at the bit at 1130. I was pacing outside on our back patio because I couldn't wait to come and preach this message and share with you what the Word of God teaches. Why? Because I was simply in the Word of God. I was just reading the Bible. That's all I was doing. But I wasn't just reading the Bible. I was walking with God there on my back patio as I was reading a passage of Scripture and then back and forth. Oh my God, literally, the gospel of God. I must repent and keep repenting. I must believe and keep believing. See, until your beliefs change more and more, everything about you, you really don't have the depth of belief that you need to have as a repentant repenter. When we are really repenting and keep repenting, we will keep believing. Not just believe once and for all, not just repent once and for all, See, to increase your faith, to build your faith, have an encounter with God through the word of God. You can have as many as you like, as many encounters with God as you like. Don't wait for other people to set the standard and to blaze the trail. How about if you be your own standard before Almighty God? How about if you believe what God says? Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. How about if you give yourself a shot of spiritual energy by encountering God through his word and you know what will happen? It will boost your ability to believe. Some of us are fighting unnecessary battles going through the doldrums that we don't need to be going through for no other reason. Listen to this. Pay attention to this. Don't miss this. The only reason why we're walking with our heads down, instead of walking with our heads up, look up for your redemption draws near us because we have spiritual amnesia. We've forgotten what the Bible says. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. To build your faith, lift your Bible. Lift it often. Encounter God Through his word, you will be able to stand in the midst of economic decline much more firmly. You will be able to resist peer pressure with tremendous success compared to how you would cave if you will meditate on that word of God you will become what you otherwise would not become. You'll say things you otherwise would not say, do things you otherwise would not do. That's what it's all about, to repent and to keep repenting, to believe and to keep believing in the gospel. Jesus Christ died for the forgiveness of every single one of your sins so that you could have life, so that I could have life. And that life must not just affect your life. It must also affect Your family life must also affect our life together as the body of Christ. You see, we've spent a lot of time, appropriately, we've spent a lot of time talking about God's vision and his mission for every life, every family, every church, the five values that every life, every family, every church should embrace. The vision of God made very clear in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Look at what the word of God says. Here's God's vision for your life. Here's God's vision for your family. Here's God's vision for every single church. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Here, the the mighty apostle Paul seems like words are failing him. He's not able to get the right words to convey this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, in view of what God has done, the gospel, To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do you understand that clarity over God's will is a byproduct of living a surrendered life? God's vision for your life and for your family, for my life and for my family, for this church and every church is that we be living sacrifices individually and collectively. Because when people are living sacrifices, the will of God becomes as clear as crystal. When you are fumbling in the dark, when you find that you, your footing seems uncertain and you don't know where you should be going, what does God want me to do at this area of my life or that area of my life? now? You don't need to pursue God just to find out what's in his hand. You need to pursue the very hand of God. Because when you get the hand of God, you get what's in his hand as well. Because when you get the hand of God, you get what's in God's hand as well. And that means his will. God's vision for your life, God's vision for your family, God's vision for the church is that we be living sacrifices. We looked at John chapter 4. Look with me at John chapter 4, beginning in verse 23. Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman. She asks the question, where's the best place to worship? Where is the best place? Where do I go? And Jesus says, no, you've got it all wrong. It's not where you go, it's who you are. Jesus says in John 4, 23 and 24, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. That's God's vision for every single." single, repentant, repenter, believing believer, that we be a walking worshiper. Notice there's no mention here of singing, no mention of guitars, and I'm partial to guitars. No mention of drums. Some of the best worshipers have some of the worst voices in terms of being able to sing on key. has nothing to do with Vocal ability or instrumental ability it has everything to do with spirit and in truth, being a true worshiper. Do we understand that God is actually on the lookout? He's actively looking for somebody somewhere to worship him in spirit and in truth. Are you that type of a person? Are you the person that God the Father finds that satisfies the quest that God is on, he's looking for true worshipers. And you have an absolute say in whether or not you fulfill that vision for your life, whether or not you fulfill that vision in your family, whether or not we fulfill that vision in the body of Christ, the church. In Matthew chapter 28, we understand the mission of God. Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 19, look at what the Word of God says. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's very clear from what Jesus is saying. Your vision and mine. This is not something for paid professionals. This is for anybody who is a repentant repenter and a believing believer. If you are a repentant repenter and a believing believer, then this is your mission individually. This is your mission in your family. This is the mission in the body of Christ, the church. We have no right to do a bait and switch to change the mission that God Almighty has given you. You were born for this. You can do this. God has called you to do this individually. He's called you to do this in your family. He's called me to do this individually and in my family. He's called us together as the body of Christ to fulfill his vision and his mission. And God's vision is that we be walking worshipers. God's vision is that we be living sacrifices. God's mission is that we replicate by teaching everybody to obey everything that Jesus commanded, to observe all that Jesus commanded. Now, an interesting thing happens when we get to Mark chapter 12. Look with me at Mark chapter 12, where they ask Jesus. Out of the 365 no commandments and the 248 yes commandments out of the 613 commands in the Old Testament which one's the most important and here we see in Jesus answered Mark chapter 12 a marriage of the vision and the mission of God they collide in a beautiful collision Jesus answered the most important is Hear O Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and and with all your strength. The second is this you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. That's God's vision and mission for your life. That's God's vision and mission for my life. God's vision and mission for your family and mine. God's vision and mission for the body of Christ to love God with all the heart, all the soul, all the mind, all the strength to love our neighbor as ourselves. There is nothing more important than that. See, what, what, what God is doing here for you and for me is he's simplifying your life and mine. That's one of the values we talked about, living a simplified life, embracing simplicity. If you don't understand the vision and mission of God, you're going to waste precious time trying to figure out what life is about. Well, God's told it to us. He's told you what your life is about. He's told you what should be important in your family and in my family. He's told us what the church is supposed to be about, about loving God. With every fiber of who we are, the seen parts and the unseen parts, all the heart, all the soul, all the mind, all the strength. Oh, the strength, that's something that can be evidenced. To love our neighbors as ourself. Nothing greater than that. We've talked about those five values. Simplicity. Our lives are too complex. We need to intentionally prioritize simplicity because if you don't, the world will prioritize complexity. Your own flesh and where your mind goes. Your mind goes places. Doesn't your mind do what my mind does? It goes places where you just have to say, what is going on with my mind? Your mind and mind gravitates toward complexity. The culture gravitates toward complexity. But Jesus says, no, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Make deliberate choices in your life that prevent you from being distracted from sincere and pure devotion to Jesus Christ. Simplify your life. Have your life characterized by the movement of the Holy Spirit, the idea of a tire tube going to a river, taking a A tire tube to a river and throwing that tire tube into the river and getting in and letting the current take you where the current is going to take you. That's what your life, that's what your family, that's what the church should be characterized by, the movement of the Spirit of God. If we're characterized by anything else, then it's something other than the movement of God, something other than the Spirit of God. God didn't send Jesus to die so that we could do our own thing. God sent Jesus to die so that we could do God's thing. So that we could take the gospel of God and follow God. To be a replicating repenter who believes and keeps believing. And you know what a disciple is? A repentant believer who replicates. That's what a disciple is. Someone who repents and keeps repenting and believes and keeps believing. And as they repent and continue to believe, they lead others to be repentant replicators and believing believers as well. We've talked about living a simple life so that that happens, being characterized by being led by the Holy Spirit individually and in your family. And as a church, the movement of the Spirit of God, we've talked about the importance of humility. Without humility, who wants to incur the active resistance of God? See, I'll beg and plead with you just for a moment. As somebody who resisted God in sometimes shameful ways. In fact, every resistance to God is shameful, but I'm just putting myself out there. There's always a sense of loss for resisting God because you can't beat him. You just can't beat God. So you might as well cry uncle. You might as well give in, give up, have your life characterized by the movement of the spirit of God, simplify your life, spare yourself years of wandering in the wilderness, be a humble person who agrees with God about what he already knows, following God in the truth, and then loving God and loving people, that value of loving God and loving people, that is God's vision and his mission for your life and my life, for your family and my family, for the church, the body of Christ. And it is also something we must value and prioritize, those four values along with the fifth value of exponential replication, the idea of replication. Look with me at First Peter chapter 4. In 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, amazing passage of Scripture. I love the way Scripture interprets itself. Peter speaking about the gospel and speaking about what Jesus did on the cross. This is after the fact. Jesus in Mark chapter 1 is speaking before the cross, but here it's the same idea. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, speaking of Jesus, so as to live for the rest of time... No longer for human passions, but for the will of God. See, this is the idea that's presented here in 1 Peter chapter 4. This is the idea that's presented here in Mark chapter 1. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and keep repenting and believe and keep believing in the gospel. The idea is that we no longer live the way we used to live. We start living in different ways because there's been a change of heart and there's a continual change of heart. There's been a change of mind and a continual change of mind. There's a remorse, a dissatisfaction that leads us to a change in behavior. Talk is cheap. God doesn't want crocodile tears. He wants the type of remorse that leads to a change in lifestyle. That's what repentance means. And to believe and to keep believing, to have certainty, to put your hope in, to put your trust in the fact that this is historically true, that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins and mine, that Jesus gives you and me as repentant repenters who believe and keep believing, as disciples, he gave us and he gives us the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. God gave you the Holy Spirit, gave me the Holy Spirit so that we could keep repenting and keep believing, keep standing firm to be salt and light in a tasteless and dark world. So, you've got a smartphone, many of us. Use it smartly. And if you don't have a smartphone, you can go out and go old school. You can go get a calendar. And you can look at the next 12 months in the calendar year. And you can ask yourself Am I a replicating disciple? Am I a repentant disciple? Am I a repentant believer who's replicating? Ask yourself that question Am I intentionally repenting and continuing to repent? Continuing to repent? Am I intentionally repenting and continuing to repent? Am I intentionally believing and continuing to believe in such a way in such a way that I'm replicating. You look at your calendar and you say, I need to live life more simply. I need to walk more humbly. I need to be led by the movement of the Spirit of God. I need to prioritize what's been second fiddle, loving God and loving people. And so this month, not next month, but this month, Lord, who is it that I can pour into? How can I make a disciple who learns about being a living sacrifice and does it. How can I teach somebody else to be a true worshiper who worships God in spirit and truth? How can I teach somebody else and help somebody else to be a repentant replicator, a repentant believer who replicates And you need to say no to choices you otherwise would make. You need to look at your money and evaluate your use of money and say, do I use God's money? Limited resources, they're both limited. The money that will cross through your fingers, the money that will slip through your fingers, and the time that will tick away in your life. Use God's money, use God's time wisely. Live a simple life. Walk in humility. Be characterized by being led by the Holy Spirit. Prioritize loving God and loving people. There's got to be somebody, if you are really repenting, if I'm really repenting, if your family's really repenting, if our church is really repenting, you understand what God is trying to say here? This is not me saying this. I am failing. I would get an F today for trying to do justice to what the Scripture is presenting. The idea is that if we are really repenting, then our lifestyles are increasingly changing. If we are really believing, then it's evidenced by the way we're using our time, the way we're using our money, the way we're increasingly living simplified lives, the way we're increasingly becoming more and more humble. We're increasingly being led by the Holy Spirit. We're increasingly loving God, increasingly loving people. And you know what happens when we get serious about the vision and the mission of God? When we get serious about having our life revolve around the person and the works of Jesus Christ, you become a repentant believer who replicates. That's what happens. We become repentant believers who replicate. We repent and we keep repenting. We believe and we keep believing. And when you repent and when you believe and when I repent and when I believe, when that happens in your family and when it happens in mine, when it happens in the church, salt and light happen like never before. You've got a family to disciple if you have children. You have a spouse to disciple by loving your spouse and coming alongside and not being at odds with your spouse, but being the partner that you need to be with your spouse. And you've got people outside of your family, people who are hungry. Listen. There are people, you just haven't been paying attention, possibly. There are people in the workplace who are hungry for a real move of God. Give it to them. Courtesy of you. Be somebody who prioritizes the movement of the Spirit of God so that when they see your life, they see there's the movement of God. I don't need to go into a building. God just walked into my building. Be a person who lives a simplified life so that the vision and the mission of God can happen every place you go. Ask God to give you somebody into whom you can pour, into whom you can invest. Get out your calendar. Ask that person. Call them up on the phone. Send them an email. And you might have to go through 5, 10, 15, 20 people until you get One humble person, hungry for the movement of the Spirit of God. And I tell you, with God as my witness, it'll be worth going through those 5, 10, 15, 20 people for the one. Because when you find somebody who's willing to be humble, When you find somebody who's willing to be led by the Spirit of God, when you find somebody who wants to live a simple life based upon the vision and the mission and the values of God, when you find somebody who wants to learn how to love God and how to love people, you will be a repentant believer who replicates, and so will they. Don't just think about it. Don't just be aware of the importance. Jesus said, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and keep repenting. Believe and keep believing. God wants you to be a repentant believer who replicates. You've been listening to the Michael Anthony Bible Teaching Podcast. We'd love to hear how this message impacted you. To share your story, visit CourageMatters.com and click on the Your Story tab. If you enjoyed this message, you'll love Michael Anthony's Courage Matters podcast, where he focuses on leadership, relationships, and world events. To learn more, visit CourageMatters.com. In the meantime, keep looking up. There's no place else worth looking.